Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also find me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes or send me an email at loveLettersandMixtapes at gmail.com. This week, I wanted to speak about a pretty tricky topic, and one that I don't often find is spoken about in a way that I resonate with. So while I'm sure that this episode is not for everyone, I'm going to trust that the exact people who need to hear it will hear it. We are going to be talking about anger. And I'm sure you're thinking, well, a lot of people talk about anger. What's going to make this episode so special? And it's that we are going to be speaking about anger from a different point of view. And we are going to be looking at anger and our emotions and questioning why we are programmed to pathologize our emotions instead of exploring them. And before we begin exploring this topic, I wanted to set the tone for this podcast episode. So wherever you are, if you're on a walk, if you're in your car, if you're on your way to work, if you're going to bed, I want you to take up space. I want you to take a breath. If your body is clenching, if your jaw is clenching, if your fists are clenched, if your back is tight, I want you to take a moment to take a deep inhale and release everything on the exhale. And I just want you to listen to me for a minute. You are allowed to be angry. You are allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be angry. So on that note, let's begin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think the most powerful way to begin speaking about this topic is to share a personal story in a general way. And I do that not in order to receive a response or support or feedback. I always like to say I am highly resourced. I am only sharing this story because I feel this is the story I wish I would have heard many, many years ago. And I think it would have been beneficial to me. I've shared on this podcast in the past that I am a trauma survivor, not just from one incident, but there is one incident that stands out in my personal history. I survived a very traumatic assault when I was 23 years old, and my recovery from that experience went on for a very long time. My insides did not match my outsides. My outsides recovered fairly quickly, and my insides was where I was really struggling. Like so many of us, when we go through things, we heal on the outside, and our inside is in turmoil, or we're in pain, or we're suffering. And there's this feeling that the whole world wants us to just be okay again. 
And so we are compelled to do that, to overachieve, to make the outside look good. But I knew something was wrong, and I knew that I was not okay. I knew that I was having a very hard time functioning. Yes, I could check off boxes in my life, but I was crumbling on the inside every time I tried to do something. It was a very private, very personal, and it was a struggle. And so I sought therapy. At the time, I thought that was my best and maybe only option. I did not feel comfortable in group settings. I was very sad and scared and ashamed and just in turmoil over what had happened. And I went through quite a few therapists as I tried to find someone that was skilled in working with trauma survivors. But the one theme I found in all of the therapy sessions I attempted to attend was this feedback, this common thread from the therapist. And this is not an anti-therapy podcast. I was a psychotherapist, so I'm all for it. But I am using this story as an example because I actually experienced it. Every time I met with a new therapist and we began to explore what brought me to therapy, what my goals were, what I needed, and the response that I would receive from them without much exploration was, oh my God, you are so angry. I can feel how angry you are. And at the time, when I was 23 and 24 and 25 and 26 and attempting to find a space where I could speak about this with a skilled clinician, I remember the judgment and how loaded that response was. It was not a neutral observation, as in, I am seeing you in front of me sharing the details of this horrific and traumatic experience, and it feels as if you are angry. It was shock and judgment and almost finger-pointing. And every time they would respond that way, I could remember this waterfall of shame, this judgment that was coming at me and my response being shame and me shutting down every time I tried to share my truth, the truth of my experience, the fact that I was sitting there very vulnerably trying to share what had happened, this thing that I didn't even have words for, and I'm sitting in front of a stranger who I am paying to listen to me and help me, and how challenging that was. And I would share all of the things that I had done to cope with that situation, all of the things I had done to try to take care of myself, to attempt to function, to attempt to be a woman in her mid to late 20s and trying to show up in the world and trying to move forward and trying to build my life and trying and trying and trying. And for the immediate response to be, oh my God, you're so angry, was just overwhelming. And it shut me down completely. And the reason I'm speaking about this is because so often we do that to the people in our lives when they are attempting to express themselves. So often we do that to ourselves when we are trying to just ground in the truth of what we feel, of exploring our emotions, our thoughts, our responses. And immediately we judge ourselves, we shame ourselves, and we shut ourselves down. Now I want to share another story about me and my trauma and my anger because I think it really helps to clarify this topic. 
Many years later, I met my friend Dan, and in all of our conversations, we shared a lot about our life experiences, what we had learned, what we had tried, what had not worked well, and I am sure that in my narrative and in my storytelling, I have no doubt that Dan picked up on my anger. And what he did, instead of facing me, pointing a finger, and calling out my emotion and making it sound negative, he created this really neutral space. And he shared a story about himself. And he talked about going through things in his life, his own traumatic experiences, and how he had not dealt with them because he did not feel that there was space for him to deal with them. And he gave an example when someone did something so minor and his rage took over and it was just belligerent anger and rage and it was not associated with the moment he was in. It was very much triggered by his past. And he shared coming back into reality and the realization of what this anger had done in the moment and how it had grounded him in this commitment to sit with his anger, understand the anger, experience it, process it, alchemize it, allow it to transform, because he had spent so much of his life running away from it, denying it, making it small. I don't want to be scary. I don't want to scare other people. I don't want to push them away. What can I do to make myself more likable, more attractive? All of these things that we do. And instead, he allowed anger to take up space in his life, to be what it is, so he could deflate it, come to terms with it, use it, alchemize it. And I remember after that conversation, he was the very first person in my life that I felt safe enough to talk about my anger with. And while you may not relate to my story or to Dan's story, I'm going to encourage you to pause for a moment, as I often do on this podcast, even if that means you pause this podcast itself for a moment and just sit with yourself and think about a moment in your life when you had a thought, a feeling, an emotion, a reaction that was so unacceptable, so unattractive that you ran away from it and you did not allow it to take up space in your life. And despite running away from it, despite trying to stuff it down or compartmentalize, it ended up showing up anyway. And it was out of control. And it took over your life. And it directed you in some way that you would not have wanted. And I think that's an important discussion because I myself was not outwardly angry. If you ask anyone in my life, I'm not a particularly loud person. I don't overshare. I tend to take my emotions out of the situations. I do try to create a calm, neutral space, and I think I've always been like that. But that anger was very much taking over my life because it had nowhere to go. And so it distorted and it got really big and really powerful. And it started answering to all of these other names. Anger turned into sadness. Anger turned into depression. Anger turned into isolation. All of these things that were way more socially acceptable than actually speaking about my anger, my trauma, my healing, my need to be understood, my need to be ugly, my need to be unattractive or inconvenient or human 
whatever word you want to use. And I know that there are so many misconceptions about anger, and this episode itself can be pretty triggering because somebody could listen to me say, you are allowed to be angry, and immediately think, oh, so that person who was angry in my life is allowed to traumatize me? They were allowed to hurt me? They were allowed to scare me? And that is absolutely not what I am saying. I have no control over how my words are perceived, but I can communicate clearly. Anger is not the same as violence. Anger is not the same as abuse. I grew up in a very, very angry home, and it was dangerous, and it was abusive, it was unsafe. And so that became my experience of anger. I became really scared of it, really aware of what it looked like to the outside world, because that was my only perception of anger. Anger is someone throwing things at your head. Anger is someone calling you names that you wouldn't call your worst enemy in a fight, and you hear this on a daily basis. Anger was slamming doors. Anger was locking yourself in a room to hopefully protect yourself from someone. Anger was all of these things. It was just walking on eggshells with your jaw tense and your back feeling rigid and your fingers just like clenching your leg at all times because you have no idea what's walking through the door. That's what I thought anger was. And so when somebody smugly looked at me at 23, shaking because I can't sleep and I can't eat and I'm trying to survive this very traumatic experience, and they said, you're so angry. I kept thinking to myself, I'm not that. I'm not that person. I wouldn't scare anyone. No one would be afraid of me. Like, what are you talking about? And I just became really small and really quiet and really contracted. And what I didn't have the space to process in that experience was that anger is not abuse. It is not overreaction. It is not any of those things. Those are outward manifestations of anger. I had every right to be angry about what happened to me. The healthiest thing I could have felt in that moment and in the years following was anger. Anger was highly intelligent. Anger was telling me, you did not deserve this. Anger was telling me, you deserve safety. You deserve to feel good about yourself. You deserve freedom from the nightmares, from the jumpiness, from the dissociation, from not being able to follow a conversation anymore, from being scared of loud noises, from being afraid to shower alone in your house. Anger said all of those things to me. And I'm sharing all of this because I feel that there's this compulsive quality in the world today where we decide that a feeling is either positive or negative. It's unattractive or it's attractive. It's socially acceptable or it's not acceptable. And as I always do on this podcast, I encourage us to just bring ourselves back to a position of neutrality, of witnessing, of observing, of not immediately reacting and throwing judgment on a situation. And I think I wanted to speak about this on this podcast for so long, but I have not because I've been very worried about the response. 
and I've been very worried about the misinterpretation. If there is someone in your life who is harming you, who is abusing you, who is making you feel small, and that anger is pointed towards you, that is not what we are speaking about today. We are not talking about abuse. We are talking about the very, very human experience of anger and how you have just as much of a right to fully experience anger as you do to experience joy. And I know that even me saying that can be seen as controversial because we cast all of these beliefs on anger, right? People will tell us, oh, you make yourself so angry, you're going to make yourself sick. Oh, if you have angry thoughts, you're going to bring about some negative thing in this situation. Your thoughts become things or whatever people say. And I will tell you when the absolute worst thing in the world ever happened to me, I was alone in my house, asleep in my bed, and I didn't see any of it coming. And I say that because that is a very important message to share. It is very important for people who have navigated traumatizing experiences to hear that they did not cause them and that once you have experienced trauma, it is not your job to clean it up, to make it look good, to package it well, to compartmentalize down so much that no one would ever know that you had experienced this. And whether it is our loved ones, our partners, our friends, a clinician, a doctor, whoever it is who has that response to you, where they want you to just be better, be over it, move past it, that too is a very human response. But that cannot be what directs us. I often think about how we pathologize emotions, and I personally choose to not instinctively become reactive and push them away. And I've often shared this visual of almost a dinner party and setting places at the table for the wide array of your thoughts, feelings, and emotions to have a seat at the table. Allow them to be present to have a chair set aside for them with their name on a little card on the plate and allow them to sit and be present and feast and wear themselves out and say their peace. I have never heard of a person who is angry who moved through that anger by just ignoring it or shaming it away or pushing it away or trying to wear a mask to make others feel better. What ends up happening is that mask that we put on every day becomes a thousand pounds and it is exhausting and it impacts all of your relationships. It impacts your work, your family, your friends, how you treat yourself, how you show up in your community, how you speak to acquaintances. That mask becomes the thing that separates you from you. That mask is saying there is something about you that is unacceptable. So here, wear this instead, versus you have every right to be angry. So many of the people who listen to this podcast grew up in a very similar way to me. And of course, we didn't have the exact same experiences, but so many of you reach out and tell me 
Yes, I grew up in that home. I was in that dynamic where I was not allowed to be the age I was. And the facts, the nuances, the details are different for all of us. It could have been alcoholism. It could have been drug addiction. It could have been sexual compulsion. It could have been sexual abuse, physical abuse. It could have been abandonment. It could have been neglect. I have no idea what it was for you. But I know that we've all gathered in this virtual space somehow because that resonates for all of us. We had similar experiences. And so often when you have those experiences, the response from the family system that you're in is, oh, that never happened. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Oh, you're such a crybaby. Oh, you're making such a big deal about it. Oh, you remembered that wrong. All of these things to deflect, to minimize. And then when we get out there in the world, we have a very similar response from the world. Oh, that was your childhood. Oh, that was then. That's not now. Oh, why are you so angry? Why are you so reactive? If I grew up in a house where for the first 18 years, my jaw felt like I was about to crack my teeth because I am so tense and so scared and wonder every single day about my survival, whether that's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, whatever it is, yes, yes, that doesn't immediately go away when you leave the situation. If you grew up in a home where every single day you're dealing with fears of deprivation, yes, that carries over into your adult life. If you were repeatedly neglected or abused or spoken down to, yes, that continues to impact you even after you have left the situation. And stick with me on this. I personally believe that once you leave the fight-or-flight situation, when you step out of survival mode, these things actually impact you more because the full weight of them descends upon your life and you really feel that burden. If you are fighting for your life, whether it's your emotional life or your physical life on a daily basis, you don't get to take that exhale to sit down to process. You are going from one moment of chaos to the next. And that's why for so many of us, when we step out of those situations and we reflect back, whether that's a year later, five years later, 10 years later, 20, 30, whatever it is for us, we feel that overwhelming exhaustion. And then the feelings begin to trickle in or flood in. And the anger comes in. And we immediately try to call it all of these other things because anger is so unacceptable to us and to the rest of the world. Because if we actually had to talk about our anger, we might actually have to share some details. And who wants to do that? We lived through it. Do we have to tell everyone about it now? And so I'm going to speak to you right now, all of you who I know grew up in those homes. And even if I don't know you personally, I know how you felt. And I just want to say it's okay. All of those conflicting emotions are okay. And I want to take a moment right now to really speak to all of my brothers and sisters out there who grew up in a similar home. And I want to say that you are not alone. You're not alone out there in the world as an adult who is carrying all of this inside of you. And even if you're listening to this podcast and you're hearing me talk about the exact home you grew up in and you have this compulsion to say, 
oh, I never felt that way. I never felt bad. I never felt sad. I was never angry, which so many of us do when we first begin to do this work. We want to try to make it look good. We want our insides to look exactly how you want our outsides to look. I want to say to that person, it is absolutely okay to feel whatever you're feeling. And when you need to talk about your anger, when you're ready to talk about your anger, you're going to find a lot of other people who are very equipped to receive that. Not to sit in judgment, not to shame you, but to instead nod their heads and say, yeah, me too. I feel that way too. I understand. It makes a lot of sense. And I say that because that takes the drama out of anger. Because so often, right, we see anger portrayed in these ways that are really over the top. But very often, I have seen anger move through my life in very subtle ways. It's almost like smoke. It gets into everything. It gets into every room. It permeates. And even when you can't see it, you can still smell it. You know it's there. So even if your anger isn't loud, if you're not doing what the people who raised you did, if you're not slamming doors and throwing dishes, if you're not calling people names and hurting their feelings, but you feel that, you're hearing me say the word anger and you know deep down inside that's what it is and you've never felt safe to talk about it, that's why I'm talking about it today. I also think it's incredibly important to speak about how we look at anger through the lens of race and gender and age, all of these things that skew how we receive and perceive anger. And I can speak as a woman how me expressing my anger in a very eloquent, thoughtful, intentional way is seen as the ultimate sin. And yet I can be in work environments where men can scream and slam doors and threaten people and they are just being proactive. They're just being leaders. But if I ask someone to do something differently because they have failed in some way at work, I am perceived as so angry. And I've seen that in almost every work environment in my entire life. And that takes us back to that mask that I was talking about, having to wear that mask all the time so that you're not seen as too emotional, too inconvenient, too unattractive, too difficult. I think about the people in my life who have to put so much effort into expressing themselves in a very calm, clear, neutral way because they are so worried about being stereotyped as the angry black man or woman in work environments, in personal relationships, in interactions with acquaintances. And I can mention that on this podcast, but I have not had the personal experience that they have had. And we have to make space for that and say, how am I perceiving anger differently in different people? Do I maybe need to work on myself? Am I allowing one person to be angry because society has told me it's okay when they're angry, but am I not allowing this other person to be angry because I've associated it with all of these other things, and I don't give it another thought? I think that this is totally normal and expected, and I never question it. I also think it's important to bring up age. So often, I hear people talk about their kids, and they talk about the kids' experience with anger. 
And they don't say that, right? They talk about all of these other acting out behaviors. And to myself, I'm thinking, how else do you think a four-year-old expresses anger? How else do you think a 13-year-old expresses anger? How else do you think a 17-year-old expresses anger? Anger is not a one-size-fits-all experience. It is very intelligent. Yes, it can be belligerent. I absolutely acknowledge that. I grew up in a house where it was belligerent anger. But anger can be an initiation. It can be something that opens a door in us and we can learn so much about ourselves and other people. But what happens when we're not even curious about it? We think we know everything we need to know about it. We miss out on so much. And I want us to think about that in a new way. We would never tell someone you should stop being happy about that thing that happened years ago. You should stop being proud of yourself for that accomplishment. The things we think are positive, we think we can run on the fumes for the rest of our lives. But if someone has had an experience and they are angry about it, we immediately think, oh, you should be done with that by now. Why aren't you over that? And the reason I'm bringing that up is because as people, I think we learn so much more when we are extended safety, support, and grace versus when we are extended judgment and shame and limiting thoughts. If someone comes to you and shares an experience that they are angry about, it is not up to you to tell them what they should be doing differently, when they should be over it, how they should be over it. Imagine if you just sat with them. If you just trusted the intelligence of their emotions and you didn't have to guide it and change it and fix it and shape it and make it better, you could just be with them. Why do we not believe that those intelligent emotions will take that person somewhere? Why do we believe that we have to intervene? And I know that sometimes the anger in our lives can break us down. I know that it can bring us to harmful places and spaces and thoughts. But that is not what we are touching on today. We are simply touching on the experience of anger. And if the entire world is telling you that you should be over it by now, I am going to be the one who continues to tell you, you are allowed to be angry. You're allowed to be angry. Well, I wish this was an episode where I explored the science behind anger or I talked about a book I read about it, but mostly this was just an episode coming from my heart because I think that that's what we need sometimes. You need to hear a voice telling you that it is okay to be who you are. And I am sorry if things happened to you that did make you feel angry. And maybe we could focus on that instead of shaming people's thoughts, feelings, reactions, and emotions. And I think that's something to take with you this week. Maybe see if it's something you can incorporate into your interactions. If you can make space for other people's feelings. And until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. If you feel like binging some episodes, I'm in the hundreds now, so there's quite a few episodes of this podcast, and I encourage you to listen to them and send me some feedback. Tell me what you think. I also love when you share these episodes with people in your life who you think would resonate with them. I don't create this podcast so people can give me a pat on the back. I create this podcast for the younger version of me 
the younger version of you who felt like there wasn't a person in the world who understood them. So I encourage you to share this. Now, selfishly, you could also take a moment to like, rate, and review this podcast. And as I mentioned, maybe send me an email with topics that you would like me to cover. My email is loveletters and mixtapes at gmail.com. <laughs>